The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. It's Monday morning and we're going to talk about West Ham away. Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark are here. Morning. Good morning. Hello. Uh, Now, obviously, when I say we're going to talk about West Ham, what I mean is I'd rather not talk about West Ham straight away. Uh, So, Adrian, just as an opening question, which is funnier at the moment, Tottenham or Chelsea? (laughs) (laughs) That's an impossible question. It is. Both hilarious. Uh, For me... Chelsea, <laughs> just given the amount of money they spent, this new owner is an absolute uh, numpty, isn't he? I mean, he, he just doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, they obviously tried, they gazumped us for, for Mudrick and, and I'm sure there are major regrets on, on Mudrick's part about that. But yeah, I mean, they're just crap, aren't they? Just in everything they do, they've brought back super Frankie Lampard. They're even worse than they were before. Real Madrid, second gear, had 10 shots on target. At the weekend, Brighton had 10 shots on target and outshot Chelsea 26-8 at the bridge. They are shocking, Chelsea, and it is hilarious. I'm I'm here for it. It it takes a special sort of talent, doesn't it, to take uh, a team's manager, their coaching staff and their best players and then lose to them at home. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful, isn't it, really? (laughs) It it doesn't get a lot lot better. And and obviously, they they got rid... You know, the new ownership got rid of Thomas Tuchel. He's without doubt one of the premier head coaches on the planet. And now they've got Frank. The gift I mean... that keeps on giving. <laughs> but, uh, although the other gift, that, well, Amy, <laughs> what do you think? Which is funnier, Tottenham or Chelsea? Well, it's a close contest, isn't it? It is. Um, I was just thinking, imagine having an Amazon documentary on, you know, uh, uh, behind the scenes of the <laughs> Chelsea man- new manager <laughs> recruitment thing that they've got going on you know a short list of 10 and all that stuff that would be great viewing um i mean obviously chelsea is uh, majorly ridiculous which is uh, you know very hard not to feel high levels of schadenfreude uh, in particular from an arsenal point of view but i just thinking about the weekend just gone and i'd say tottenham losing in the last minute to bournemouth was marginally more amusing as a sort of one-off result versus the Chelsea-Brighton result. And I say that mainly because I'm still a little bit frightened about Brighton. And um, in in the run-in, uh, which is still a run-in, people, you know, it hasn't suddenly gone away and disappeared in a puff of green smoke. Uh, in the run-in, that's one of the games that frightens me a little bit, actually, Brighton at home. Oh, it's obviously one way you're hoping they might take some points off Man City if that game ever gets scheduled. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, City have got to go there. They, they're indeed. coming to us, Brighton, aren't they? But, yeah. uh, but hey, hang on, we'll do that. Tottenham or Chelsea? Are you having Tottenham? Well, I'm saying Tottenham for this weekend, but probably yeah. overall Chelsea. So maybe both. <laughs> hey, I'm cheating. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a casting vote because Tottenham really, they've just sort of been like this for a long time. Chelsea is just, I agree with Adrian, it's taking it to new levels of silliness with their <laughs> 67 central midfielders or whatever they've got at the moment. So uh, I'm voting for them. And long may that continue. And I think we all feel the same way. West Ham 2, Arsenal 2. For the second time in eight days, uh, we had another stroll to a 2-0 lead in the first 30 minutes, followed by a weird self-destruct mode 
And we've dropped four points because of that. And we're only four ahead of City who have a game in hand. Let's try and work out what went wrong. Me and Amy had about a 40-minute conversation last night. William Saliba came up a lot, Amy. I have to say, and, and you might be saying this is a bit after the event, but I did wake up about three weeks ago when Saliba got injured. And I, I, I actually thought, if he's out... We're done. We can't win the title. Now, obviously, what happened was I put that thought out of my head because you have those thoughts during a run-in. But he's so central to everything we do. I think it's not just him in his own body and his own work that he does on a football pitch. I think it's also the effect that he has on players around him. And like all pivotal, significant players... It's not just about you, what you can do, although that's obviously huge, but it's about those relationships and partnerships of the people around you. Sometimes you have a player whose very presence just gives some calm or confidence to those around him. And obviously it's not fair to expect Rob Holding to be able to do the same for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but it, it, it it's not a criticism of Rob Holding that he can't, but the reality is that... There is a, it's very easy to see an anxiety or just split seconds of concern or slight changes of, of position in all those players uh, around that position. Obviously, I think Gabriel looks like he has to run around and do that little bit more to cover. Ben White maybe is not quite as relaxed about when he goes and when he stays. Uh, doesn't have quite that same mental freedom. Thomas Partey also, I think, is positionally impacted because there's a sense of having to cover a little bit more. So for all those reasons, um, it's just been such a damaging miss. And when you look at the work Arsenal did in January to try and create a squad to challenge rather than just a team challenge, everybody knew that the first 11 of Arsenal in the first half of the season could challenge. They made that abundantly clear in the way they played and the points that they got. But, the, you, you know, there's a difference between having a, a, a title-challenging team and a title-challenging squad. And Arsenal were really quite smart, I think, is doing the best they could to cover the positions they were most worried about in January. So what happens if Thomas Partey's not there? Jorginho, tick. What happens if something happens to Saka or Gabriel Jesus doesn't come back or people need a rest or whatever? Trossard, tick. What happens to, if something happens to Gabriel Magalhaes? There's no other left-sided centre-back in the squad. Kivio comes in. One for the future, but who can do a job filling in if needed? Tick. What they didn't anticipate, and who could, because you can't anticipate all these eventualities, is a kind of cluster injury that robs you of your first choice and your second choice. And essentially, Rob Holding is the, you know, the third choice to be playing in that position because Tommy Yasu if it would have been either playing in Saliba's position or there would have been a switch with Ben White. But it's it's really caused a kind of ripple effect. It's just taken all a, li a little bit of edge of the security around that department of the pitch that I think feels there. And I always felt all this season something happening to Gabriel or Saliba once that partnership began was going to be super problematic to cover. And sadly, that's the case. Adrian, there are players, aren't there, who when they're not in the team, everything just seems a bit out of whack. 
for whatever reasons. Quite often it used to be holding midfield players and you're not getting the ball as much and you can't work out why. And and they're obviously they're only they're, you only realise how good they are when they're not there. Saliba, it's even more than that, isn't it? It's it's as Amy says, there's a sort of tension and a nervousness in the team that there just wasn't. Yeah, there is the ripple effect, definitely. I, th- I think Amy summed it up pretty well, really. That I think Tommy Asu probably would have been the first choice cover. I don't think they would have wanted to move Ben White in, inside, given how well he, he combines with Saka. But the thing is, he is having to pick and choose his runs forward now. He is a little bit uh, more reticent to, to do that because he's worried about what happens on the break. And, and West Ham played on the break, didn't they, quite brilliantly in the game. Uh, through Bowen and Antonio in particular, we didn't talk about Saliba's quality on the ball. And I I think that's big as well, you know, in terms of his able, he's very press resistant. You can press him. West Ham pressed a lot more than I expected them to, and probably more than they have in any other match I've seen this season. Why? I think it's because Rob Holding and Kieran Tierney played instead of Zinchenko and Saliba, because those two guys are two of the best passers in the division in terms of defenders. I think that we would have been less likely to give the ball away in bad areas had those two been fit and available. And the problem was, you know, from from those transitions where you lose the ball in midfield through being complacent, casual or bad passing, that's when you catch out a defender like Rob Holding who hasn't got the speed, you know, and that's what West Ham were playing on and, and it did cause us a lot of problems. So, yeah, I think... Those two players, uh, we lost control without them, and and I, th- I think it's forgivable, but we don't want to see it too too often. That is for sure. We don't really want to go into two nil uh, when we, assuming that we go two nil up against Southampton. How are people <laughs> going to be feeling <laughs> on well, Friday? Oh, do you know be... what, what? What if it happens at the Etihad? I mean, then, then we really can't enjoy it. <laughs> Well, I think we should try and take as much time as we can to enjoy going 2-0 up at the Etihad because I can't imagine we'll hang on. But anyway, we'll get to that in a couple of games' time. Amy, is there also, I mean, we're talking about William Saliba being missing and I think Adrian makes a point about Zinchenko as well and how important he is to have uh, for Thomas Partey to sort of have him there as well to come in and, and interchange passes. But is there also a mental tiredness going on now? I mean, City... City are in the rearview mirror and they're coming up. I mean, they are an incredibly well-financed club, managed by a genius, monster striker, all the rest of it. And they've been on our tail for a while, but we've kept a distance. But now they're feeling a bit closer. I mean, is there is that is that fear going on as well now, do you think? Yeah, I think that was always going to happen. I remember thinking about, about worrying about this a while ago when, uh, when everything was tickety-boo. But, you know, title runs... And title wins are not smooth rides, you know. Like, listen up, kids. If you haven't been in this position before, <laughs> listen to Auntie Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you you jest about that. You jest about that. But but people who are in their late teens, early twenties, can't really remember, can they? You well, know, this is point. new to a, this is new to a, a, a generation of supporters. Go on, Amy. it is, and. <sighs> As a supporter, these are the times when you have to dig your deepest and go against the grain or the pressure or the instincts of, of, of like, giving up. Do me a favour. This is not the time, you know. We can, you can look at this and, and there's a lot of evidence 
that makes it feel like it might not happen. Oh, okay, all right. Who's giving up here? Shall we bother getting up tomorrow morning? Who's Who wants to fight? Or who wants to just forget about it and feel sorry for themselves? This is a moment, this is a moment where you you cannot lose sight of what has got you here and where you're trying to go. And if you don't make it, you don't make it. But you sure as hell won't make it if you give up. So there has to be a sense of refreshing the mentality across the club. They'll be hurting like hell inside that uh, dressing room and on the pitch at London Colney. No one will be hurting more than them. Um, People all over the world who support Arsenal are hurting. But this is what you've got to be a believer. Because if you don't believe, there's no point. If you don't think something's possible, find another hobby. You know, how lucky are we to be to have watched this team evolve this season? It's been a thing of beauty. It's it's reignited feelings in most of us that we didn't we'd forgotten about, and it's given people who have never had that feeling before it for the first time. Young, you know, in the younger generation. I don't want to see people giving up. I don't want to hear about that. It, it, it's not easy because, but you know, I think for these players. There's even evidence early on in the season of a dip where it felt quite similar, you know? Lost to Man City in the Cup. Lost to them again in the league. Lost to Everton, which was just a shitty, stupid performance. And drew against Brentford, thanks a lot, VAR, etc. You know, but also didn't play great. That was a point where you could... It was hard to make an argument that the, the team had the right stuff to go all the way. And they won and then seven they won on the trot. Exactly. Won seven on the trot. Yeah. Now, yeah. this it's character. Just, only the next couple of games is going to tell us whether these two games are a equivalent dip. And by the way, we still didn't lose any matches away from home in this dip, this so-called dip. You know, it feels like the end of the world. We might feel like losses, but they weren't. They were still points. This is the moment where Arsenal can attempt to recover. I think it will be really hard without Saliba for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. I think that because it's still a a title-winning team rather than a title-winning squad, it's going to be hard if other players are missing. Other key, we all know who the key players are. If I I don't know what the situation is with Saliba, but I mean, I you know, doing the equivalent of rain dances because I'm not that religious. Saliba dances, you know, to see if he can be back for Man City. <laughs> and some of those other tough games ahead, but you know the more of our, of the, the the best players that are available, the more they can relax and just try and try and go and see what they can do. I have to say at this point, Adrian, I cannot wait for the Emirates on Friday. Right? I mean, I genuinely can't. I can't mm. wait to be there and to show them how much we love them. Because if they beat Southampton on Friday, they will go uh, up against Man City seven points clear, and if they get something from Man City. We are very much in the title race. So it's a bit mad, and I completely agree with Amy, for people to be on social media going, it's over. I mean, it's it, it, it's insulting, isn't it, to the team c- who've done so well for us this year? I can't get my head around it, I have to say. Yeah, I think that, that there's, there's too much um, throwing toys out of the pram uh, going on among sections of, of, the, of the fan base. It's absolutely still alive. Every title race has twists and turns. There will be setbacks. And look, a draw at Anfield and a draw away to West Ham 
would not be considered at all abnormal in any title race ever. It's just that it's because Manchester City are chasing us down and they look invincible at the moment that we're all so worried. But the thing is, if if we don't go on and, and, and lift the trophy that we want to lift, then it'll be because Man City earned it, not because this team let us down in any way. They've given us too many great results and performances, too many amazing feelings, as Amy just said, too many unforgettable moments just to ditch them and say, oh, we're not good enough. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute nonsense. We have This is the time for the Emirates and Arsenal's fan base uh, around the world to pull together and, and say, we, we, we trust and believe in you. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But, but if, if we collectively uh, pull together, there's a better chance of it happening. No doubt about that. So yeah, I, I hope and kind of expect as to smash Southampton on Friday night. That's that that would be just the tonic this you know the club needs. And and in terms of Rob Holding, and, and we're definitely not using this uh podcast to have a go at Rob Holding. We understand that he's not quite at the level. How's he feeling, Adrian, do you think, in all this? Um I hope he can detach himself from it and just concentrate on the job because I mean he's not been a just he's not had terrible matches has he he's no. just he's just as an element of insecurity we've conceded what we conceded six goals in our last four matches so with him in the side which is like this is above what we concede when when Saliba's in the side he'll be well aware of that um he's just got to focus hasn't he on on the job um I don't know how he'll be feeling. Yeah, he needs to detach himself. He absolutely needs to not be on social media reading stuff. Um, and it's not about him. It's not about Rob. It's about the team. We, As a team across certainly this match, the Liverpool one I was really positive about, but this wasn't a good performance. You know, that, that champagne football we saw in the first 15 minutes just went really flat, didn't it? And, and we didn't create much. We didn't have the energy. We didn't play with a drive and purpose that's got us where we've got to. And we, the bottom line is we didn't w- run as hard. We didn't work as hard on or off the ball as we usually do. And and if we don't do that, then you, we, we're not going to win games or score goals. The key, I think, is when, when we get to this 2-0 situation, if we're going to have a little breather, you just kill the game and you have a breather in possession. You don't get too complacent in possession and I think that is what what ha- what happened if if I'm honest and and there'll be big regrets in there and look Mikel in the dressing room would have let the players know that that they dipped below the standards expected there and they'll know anyway it's all right for us to call that out because every team is entitled to have a bad day and, and this was a bad day in my opinion, it wasn't a good performance, but it doesn't mean we're a bad team all of a sudden. We can absolutely get it back against Southampton. Do you really think it's complacent? I, I look at this team and I find it difficult to imagine them being complacent. I I wonder whether it's, I, I'd say, more either concentration or fear of being yeah. in this possession, a position. I just find fear. it... I can't... I think fear is, is something... I mean, what... Looking at that kind of uh, second part of the of the game, where everything got slower, everything got more tentative, everybody took more touches. You know, the, if you think about the goals, they were all lots of one touch, beautiful, rapid football, confident mm. football, and mm. then 
afterwards that wasn't being replicated the style was just so much more i hate yeah. to use the phrase but <laughs> handbrake on but you should and feel I you should feel less fearful fear. you should feel less fearful at two nil up than at nil nil shouldn't you really well it's more about a mistake maybe or just a moment a little moment changing it from two nil to two one and then the fear comes mm. can i but, can i just jump in and do you not think amy that it's maybe slightly complacent for Thomas Partey to try and do what he did no, on don't. the edge of his own area. I'm just putting it out there. I think this is what they've been doing all season. You know, this is the way Arsenal have been playing. I just think there's a... The word complacency suggests an arrogance mm. or a certainty. And I don't think this yeah. team has arrogance or certainty. So I think it's the wrong word. That's all I'm kind of trying to get at. You might be right. I mean, Mikel used the word. Yeah, so I know, it's, but, it's, but maybe that was in the heat of the heat of the moment. I well, he think, might have been asked it. It's a classic press conference question where he might have been said, "Oh, was it complete?" And then the word words. Sort the of the, the, so the reason I would have used it is because of the, the the running off the ball. It's like when a player when we're on it, every player has options because players are working really hard to show for the man on the ball, and 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 that wasn't happening out of possession every player knows their job and they're in the face of the opposition and that stopped happening so when players run less i think that it 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 gives me and a lot of observers i would imagine the impression that the team have backed off for whatever reason um and i don't think we're quite good enough yet to back off for long periods and 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 hold leads clearly um but so Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Isn't isn't one of the the most frustrating things, you know, having got in that situation, there's still a lot of the game to go and get a winner. And I'd like to read you, if you don't mind, a quote from Mikel Arteta from the press conference of a game not so long ago, because I found it really striking. This is talking about... Uh, 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 how Arsenal were intent on searching for a match winner when it would not have been the end of the world to settle for a 2-2. And he said, the initiative to make things happen when the stage of the game is, I don't know what's going to happen. They are not looking at each other saying, he's going to do it. They say, I take responsibility. I'm going to do it. And I absolutely love that today. And he used the, the phrase about his team, how he loved the way they kept pushing and pushing and pushing to get the victory. Now, that phrase was about Arsenal's win against Man United when Nketiah scored in stoppage time. If you look at a few games in pivotal points of the season, Man United, Bournemouth, Villa away, even going earlier on to the very beginning of the season, Fulham uh, at home, which was 1-1 for ages, and Villa at home, which was 1-1 for a long time until quite late late winners. It was a, it's been a feature of this team that they could, go through the gears and push and push and push at the end of the game in search of a winner, which is what's put Arsenal in this position in the first place. I think the thing I find most hard to watch about the last couple of games was the team knowing that they needed to do that and not being and feeling a bit frozen. They couldn't find another gear. They couldn't push and push and push. I don't know why. I don't know what was going on inside them. But there was potential to seize that game and win it. And the longer the game went on, the more it just felt like oh, they're passing it around the back, you know, and looking, uh, it wasn't going anywhere. And where was the capacity? Where was that? I'm going to do it. it. It looked to me as if, uh, could you do it? It looked like they were scared. And that's the thing that if they can 
rem- watch those games back and remember what it felt like when it's like you go hell for leather at the end. It's kitchen sink time. You've got to mm. make it happen. Someone's got to make it happen. That's what that was the difference maybe in the last couple of games, and that's why everyone's feeling a bit sore. But it's retrievable. Remind yourself what you could do. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We better beat uh, with the handbrake at time. I, I want to ask about um, Bukayo Saka. It's not not some big inquest. He missed a penalty. It happens. He apologised. He didn't need to apologise. I mean, I'm no, I, absolutely, he's holding his hand up like, Bukayo, you've done more for us this season than, than anyone. And and we absolutely love you. And the fact that you missed a penalty. Uh, Amy, you actually spoke to Ian Wright and there was a lot of love for Bukayo. Very much so. Uh, it was great when I, I saw Wrighty last week when he was opening up his new uh, pitch, the project that they've got down in his school in South London in Broccoli uh, for him and, and Rocky. And like a lot of people, Wrighty sees something of Bukayo in Rocky. And that's a temperament thing as well as a, a, a and a personality thing, as well as the way that you that they play. They happen to play the same position. They happen to be brave, strong, technically gifted and have that kind of air of specialness about them. But, you know, he, he wanted to get back in touch and support Bukayo after after this, um, this penalty situation. And, you know, I think his words are very, very resonant. And he says, he will always be our star boy, no matter what. He has my unequivocal support and I would expect everyone around Arsenal to do the same. Vocal support matters. I want him to know we will always rally around him. Then you see racism. As a black player, that is always there. It's not enough to miss the penalty and take the disappointment that comes with that because as a black player, you must also take racist abuse. We will keep lifting him up above the hate. Watch our fans on Friday night. He's going to feel the love. I can tell you that. You know, he, can, he, he, he takes responsibility. He can do so again. He has greatness. Just go again, Bukayo. And that's the message. Nobody could say it better. Adrian, that's what I was saying about Friday. I can't wait for that that chance to show them all, and particularly Bukayo, how much we love him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, there's nothing to apologise for. We can no. all miss penalties. Um, yeah, so it, he's going to come back strong. You know, those are great words from Wrighty. And I think, yeah, we'd all echo them. And I'm sure that Mikel will, will be giving him similar messages. But yeah, look, we can all play our part inside the ground to to make him feel, you know, feel ten feet tall. And yeah, he's he's been one of the players of the season, no doubt about. It. Not just one of our players of the season, one of the players of the season. He's still got time between now and the end of the campaign to be 
the difference maker in a positive way. There could still be a moment out there waiting to happen that that could be remembered forever, and it could be it could be Bukayo's moment. So, got to stay strong. Got to keep going, and yeah, just fight. As Amy said, fight for for what we're all looking for here. Um, this is no time. This is the last time to give up. Got to fight harder now. Yeah, and Amy, uh, one other thing we had a little chat about last night was the timing of the substitutions. You thought you thought they were a little bit late on a, um, just give them. I mean, getting Eddie and Ketia for four minutes. What's he meant to do in that time, or even Reese Nelson in ten? Did you think while while you asked that, do you, I'm also interested to see if Amy thinks they were the right substitutions. I mean, it's easy to say no now, but I <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I Cool. Uh, Should they I, brought on someone who could score a goal? Maybe I definitely think three, I definitely two. think some earlier subs. I think at the time when he brought on um, Shoshino and Trossard, I, I, it w- wouldn't have been a disaster to have also tried Reese and or Eddie at the same time, um, just to shake it up. Again, going back to that change of gear that was needed. I think if you give different players enough time, I mean, I. I in one way, you admire the fact that Mikel backs his players and is loyal to them, um, you know, and wants to give them that chance to make it right. It didn't feel like the tempo was happening and it, all the character and atmosphere was happening on the pitch and therefore giving it a chance to change. I mean, I keep banging this drum, but also frustration to not see Emile Smith-Rowe. Uh, again, he might have been able to offer something a bit different and that continues to bother me a little bit but yeah I just felt like Arsenal need to find a, a you know a magic goal from somewhere so put on fresh legs put on strikers put on people both Reese and Eddie have done that this season yes and, and you know Trossard's got plenty about him give them the chance to really you know run at them and try not to carry this slightly anxious mood that was already on the pitch try and change that record a little bit Adrian, you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I just felt that... I don't know, taking off Partey and Jesus is a big call, isn't it? It's a really big call. Um, I know that Jesus was on a was on a, a yellow card, born out of frustration. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's our best attacker. And, and when you're chasing a goal, I want him out there. I would have preferred Trosser for, for Xhaka. And and to to go with Trossard and Erdegaard either side of either Thomas Partey or Jorginho. I've got no no major issue with with the Partey substitution because I didn't think he was having a very good game. And when you're not having a very good game, then and you've got good substitutes, then you change it, don't you? So yeah, I just felt I felt we I want you know that last last five or ten minutes didn't we all want Jesus on the pitch didn't. I mean, I wanted Martinelli on the pitch as well, to be to be perfectly honest. Um, that's just how I felt at the time, and I still think it now. Adrian, is there something structural that Arsenal could do that uh, is a bit more creative in terms of you have Jesus? Because Jesus, you know, everyone's looking at these um, heat maps and stuff with yeah. awe about how half the time he looked like he was playing defensive midfield in that yeah. first half. But hey, <laughs> it, it helped Arsenal go 2-0 up and... It was almost a bit difficult to understand how he does it. But could you not have him doing what he does and have Eddie, for example, or Trossard, well, you can whatever. go to three five two, and and that's that's the thing that 
that we haven't really done. I mean, Pep has done that recently, hasn't he? He's gone with a three at the back and then a yeah. sort of box midfield four that features John Stones and then the, the the wide guys, yeah, in support of Haaland. And, and it's worked very well. And we've got the perfect right-sided centre-back in Ben White. We've got the perfect left-sided centre-back in Gabriel. It covers the flaws of, of Rob Holding to have him in the middle of a back three. So, yeah, and and Bakayo Saka, if anyone can play wing-back, it's Bakayo Saka. So, yes, I think rather than bringing on a Fabio Vieira, I would potentially have changed the shape to accommodate Trossard and Jesus together, potentially in a forward role, with Eddie to come and join in, maybe right towards the end of the game. So, yeah, look, he'll assess it. He's learning on the job himself, as brilliant as Mikel has been this season. He's... He's making decisions under pressure like he's never felt before. Yes. And that's tough, you know. So We forget he is a new manager, isn't he? Exactly. And the the Liverpool decisions were were quite ballsy as well, weren't they? Didn't quite come off. You know, it, it, it in effect probably invited the pressure at Anfield. So, yeah, the last couple of games, those sort of assertive calls haven't worked. So it'll be interesting to see... Whether whether Mikel Arteta backs off of that of of making them, or whether it it kind of even gives him more strength to do something, but maybe something different next time. I think Eddie and Jesus did actually; they might have played together pre-season, so I think they have uh, have tried it. Um, one more thing before we go: um, Would you agree that anyone who's pushing this narrative that Arsenal are bottling it can fuck off? <laughs> Absolutely, well said. <laughs> I wasn't going to put it quite that way, but the sentiment's identical. Yeah. Yeah. There's, not, there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing that I've seen from this team that, that suggests a lack of bottle at all. It's, it's, it's bullshit. Quite. Um, all right, let's have a song. Uh, Adrian, what you got? Lenny Kravitz. It ain't over till it's over. Nice. Because that's true. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it isn't. Uh, Amy, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go for the Beastie Boys. And you've got to fight for your right to party. You've got to fight, boys. Do you want to have a, a, a bit of a celebration at the end of it all? And we'll Too be there at the end. Of, we'll be there on Get Friday up, to help boys. you. I, I'm having Come Together by the Beatles. Because that's what we got to do. Um, that's it. For this edition of Handbreak Off, thanks to Amy, thanks to Adrian, and thanks to Abby, our producer. And uh, keep the faith, everyone. See you Friday. Ta-da. Mm-hmm.